0: Drop on your tampon. It's that time of the month on the Nothing Important Podcast.
1: I threw a wish in a well. Don't ask me, I'll never tell. I looked to you as it fell, and now you're in my way. I traded off for a wish, pennies and dimes for a kiss. I wasn't looking for this, but now you're in my way. Stare was holding, ripped jeans, skin was showing, hot night, wind was blowing, where do you think you're going, baby? Hey, I just met
0: you, and this is crazy, but here's my number, so call me maybe, it's hard to look right at you, baby, but here's my number, so call me maybe.
1: Time with the call, I took no time with the fall. You gave me nothing at all, but still, you're in my way. I beg and borrow and steal at first sight, and it's real. I didn't know I would feel it, but it's in my way. Your stare was holding, ripped jeans, skin was showing, hot night wind was blowing. Where do you think you're going, baby? Hey, I just met you, and this is crazy.
0: Here's my number. So call me maybe It's hard to look right At your baby Here's my number So call me maybe
2: I will probably turn around and say, go fuck yourselves. You know, but it's not yeah, enough for oh, the so Ender Warriors. Sorry for the language if I'm not allowed to swell in the pocket. No, um, oh, you are. You can <laughs> say whatever you want, my friend. <laughs> Good. Wonderful. Cunt shit. Bollocks fuck. Wonderful. And I never get to swear on the air. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm such a child. I'm like a seven year old child. But yeah, you know, this constant need <laughs> Please enjoy
0: the show.
3: this is the nothing important podcast insert witty tagline here my name is brian and with me as always is i have nothing clever to say dave dave how's it going this evening good good (laughs) i'm fine usually i try to make up some completely asinine thing (laughs) there i know you threw (laughs) me off uh, man because i like to react to it that's part of the thing well, part of the thing is, too, is I, I never try to think about it. I literally try to come up with it on the fly, but I, uh, I, I just couldn't do it tonight. But I would like to mention that I am drinking Not Your Father's Root Beer nice. by Small Town Brewery. Uh, they are not a sponsor by any means, but I am a big root beer fan. Yes. And somebody finally put the beer in root beer. Have you? So,
1: <laughs> are you new to Not Your Father's Root Beer, my friend?
3: I I am I I'm, I I uh, I was given one finally about maybe two weeks ago, and uh, my buddy upstairs uh, that lives above me is like, dude, you want to watch out for that. It's it's really good. It's kind of dangerous. And I had one, and I love root beer. Yes. like I don't really drink, uh, be- like I- Coke. I don't like Coke unless it's like McDonald's Coke. You get a large Coke from McDonald's, it tastes a lot different. Yeah. than it does out of a and and there's actual reasons for that, but we don't have to discuss. They have a it mixture now. recipe. But-
1: it's a big thing. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh, other than that, I love Dr. Pepper and I love root beer. And so I was excited. I'm like, wow, somebody kind of put the beer in root beer and it was given to me. And uh, I was kind of excited about tonight's chat. And uh, I figured, you know what, I'm going to give these people some free publicity. And who knows, maybe they'll send me a free beer or two down the road. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. Um,
1: I'm not so new to that. I had it at the lockdown, which I believe is in kind of in your neighborhood. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I've always been told, I haven't verified that it's, it's like 5% in a bottle and like eight to 10% somewhere there out of the tap. Mm. It's a lot stronger out yeah. of the tap. I had it out of the tap. I was pretty damn buzzed after one. Yeah. Well,
3: either way, it's pretty damn delicious. We're waiting for our uh, special guest, Milo Yiannopoulos, to give us a call on the somewhat important hotline. But it's funny that you brought up Lockdown. Lockdown is a bar in Chicago. It's very heavy metal themed. They have the best, best burgers. It's absolutely awesome. uh, I I had
1: the Cruelty to Animals burger. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh,
3: what, like 10... 10 pieces of meat on this burger. It's ridiculous, yeah. right? It's a farm: Lockdown burger in Chicago, Illinois. It's in my neighborhood. If you get a chance to go, you, you walk in and it's, they have TVs everywhere that are playing live heavy metal concerts. yes as you, as you eat your food. And uh, I love their motto because their motto is just simply, "Don't be shitty." <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I didn't um, know that because that's my thing. I can't believe I never said it on the podcast. My motto is Rule number one Rule number one is don't be a dick." Yeah, don't be a dick. That's it. <laughs> so It's
3: a variation of the golden rule, but yeah, don't be a dick.
1: Yeah.
3: But I'm glad you brought up lockdown for another reason, because today, or actually yesterday, Pokemon Go has been released uh, in the United States. Are you familiar with Pokemon Go, Dave?
1: No, I was going to laugh, because I thought you were going somewhere else with that.
3: No, no, no. But anyway, Pokemon Although Go Although they is, do call
1: me the Jigglypuff, and my, my Jigglypuff t-shirt came in the mail
3: Mm mm-hmm nice nice other than that no
1: i'm not familiar with pokemon
3: well uh pokemon go is a phone app it's an augmented reality game so like you take the place of the pokemon trainer and it uses google maps so in the real world your character only moves as you walk up and down the streets and occasionally your phone will vibrate and then your your camera will show or your camera will turn on and through the camera it looks like there's like a pokemon like sitting at your house around the steps or something and you capture it, right? It's kind of like geocaching, but for Nintendo nerds. Okay. And this has been like a huge app. Like, it, it's it's a really big deal. It's already like number one on the iTunes charts, and it's already number one for revenue on the iTunes and Android tr- charts, and it's only been out worldwide for maybe 24 hours. Me and my daughter have been playing it a ton. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's actually the first time I've ever played a Pokemon game, even though huh. I'm a huge Nintendo nerd. But yeah. um, it, it gives me a chance, you know. Me and the kids, we get out, walk around the neighborhood, and we've been catching Pokemon for the past day or so. So, in in, in the game, uh, there's also, because it takes the Google Maps information. And in the game, every so often, you'll come across a Poke Stop. And when you go to the Poke Stop, it's a real world location, and you'll get supplies like Pokeballs or eggs, whatever the hell eggs do. Like I said, I don't know. I've never played a Pokemon <laughs> game, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, so what, uh, one of the pokey stops next to my house is lockdown bar and grill. And huh. it's great. Cause it, in the little cartoon world on the app, it shows a real life picture of the side of lockdown bar and grill. And on the side of lockdown, they have that big heavy metal mural with upside down crosses, uh, blood, uh, lemmy from motorhead. It's mm-hmm. amazing. And it just cracks me up. Cause if you go to that pokey stop. That's the picture that appears inside the game <laughs> when you're playing this cute little Pokemon Go game, and you're trying to pick up these cute little monsters. That's awesome. So, I and mean, there's a big so picture
1: whole, of Lemmy Killmeister.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's amazing. I I posted it on our Twitter at not not important PC. I posted it yesterday. It is the most metal PokeStop in the United States. I would I would figure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just on a side note. Um, there's also the church across the street from me doubles as a Pokemon gym in the game. <laughs> so, so, uh, whoever is the gym master of the Pokemon gym, uh, I'm right across the street and I'm coming for you. <laughs> <So> beware. <laughs> well, I thought it was like the,
1: uh, like the preacher or something or like the, the arch or whatever it is, you know, the head of the church would be the Pokemon gym master, right?
3: right no but that's what makes it amazing is if you if you get the pokemon and you take over the gym your pokemon that you you leave there that's why you got to level them up because the pokemon that you leave there will try to fend off anybody that comes to your quote-unquote gym Ah, to try to unseat you that's awesome and it's great because i don't even have to walk to the church i can just sit on my couch and be the gym master of uh so I will collect Pidgeots all day, which apparently is a really crappy Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> What's
0: ridiculous. also great about
3: that too is uh the Pokemons that I get mostly are this little rat looking thing called a rat a tat. Okay. And I just find that hilarious because it is Chicago. We have a huge rat infestation going on right now. Oh, so I, thought I wonder if it's all po- about the gun violence. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> rat <Rat-a-tat>. a <laughs> <laughs> That's also very appropriate. (laughs) So our guest this week is Milo Yiannopoulos. And I got to tell you, Dave, it's, it's, it's a little weird for me because me and you have been very open that we want very little talk about politics. It's it's in the name of the show. Right, exactly. Nothing important, but also as we've kind of shifted to this, uh, where we get to talk to very interesting people and, and successful people, uh, I feel that he was somebody that if we were able to get on, even though he is very much a controversial and political figure, mm-hmm. I felt like he was he was somebody that we shouldn't pass up if we get the chance to talk to him. I agree with uh, that. For, for, for the uninitiated, uh, Milo is a very outspoken gay British individual who also happens to be very conservative. He does not have a lot of tolerance for feminists, and uh, he just leaves a wake of destruction everywhere he goes. Every time he speaks on a campus on a speaking tour, which is called the dangerous faggot tour, he, he uh, just protest. And, uh, he even got DePaul university shut down, which is just about a mile and a half from where I'm sitting now. And, uh, you know, I, I respect that because I, I would say you and I are actually politically, uh, we're probably two different ends of the spectrum. Which is funny because neither of us yeah. kind of vote. I'm not. So that's at, good because
1: I'm not at an end of a spectrum. I'm a very one way leaning other way. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but know, like, I'm very towards the middle because I see. Okay. Yeah. I see. Well, so we're, like, we're, we're both open minded and we're both devil's advocates, so we can see the other sides of things.
3: Well, I think what's funny about you and I is like a lot of stuff. I feel one way that you feel the exact opposite on. Yeah, that but does most. But most of our views fall into the category of, how about everybody just shuts the fuck right, up and let exactly. people do what they want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, we, we, we are kind of old school gentlemen in the fact that we keep our politics uh, uh, polite when we speak about them. And mm-hmm. generally, if we're out in public and not speaking directly to each other, I, I don't th- feel that we ever, I've never seen you drawn into a political conversation in a group or a bar or something. I do it amongst close tries- friends. Only amongst close exactly. friends. Exactly, and that's how it should be. But yeah. if of the state of the state of the state of the worst person the worst to the to to turn will to just start will like, talking start back to the or I'll just stare at state as they're talking <laughs> to me, and then change the subject. So the anyway, subject. So the was Milo, uh, I was intrigued by him because I I because uh, I heard I him. I of just heard of name just reading the news of the to and the to and the news and such. heard then the heard him on the Adam the and I show, not really. the not really... His political views, in all honesty, I never really took anything away of like, wow, either I severely disagree with that guy or I severely agree with that guy. Uh-huh. I, I was just more in tune with the fact that, wow, like he says how he feels. And it's it's refreshing because I feel like a lot of times nowadays, to go back to the political correctness thing, people always try to find a way to word things or if you feel one way and you know you're in a room where there's people that might feel the other way, you try to phrase your beliefs in a way that will discourage other people from piping up. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think he does that. He just kind of says how he feels, and he's and he's very confident, and there's a bravado about him right. that, you know, th- look, this is the way it is. And at the same time, he doesn't try to shut anybody down. He'll right. just say, okay, well, th- this is how I feel about that. And uh, so, a,
1: f- a friend of ours put it the best When he found out Andy when Andy found out that we were gonna talk to him um he told me like the best thing about this guy is that he says what he wants and he's blunt and you can't come at him with the PC bullshit because he's already a part of a marginalized group of people so what are you gonna say to him you know to put him down or to get him out of your argument like you have to come at him with some facts and like an actual argument which well, a lot exactly. of people can't That's- do in today's society
3: Exactly. That's what makes him a quote unquote dangerous faggot. Right. <laughs> he's a gay man who openly uses the term faggot like towards himself. Uh, you take the power out of
1: other he, people's hands when you do this. I call myself a fat ass all the time because I got teased when I was younger.
3: Right. And I, I think <laughs> that's what he's he's really. I think that's what he's really trying to do. So um, he's just stirring the pot. I, I don't even think he's stirring the pot. I think he. I think he's just saying, uh, I in, in a weird way. I think he's not stirring the pot. Like I think I, he's stirring the pot. Well, I but a stirring the part is usually a rabble rouser who just does it to be contrarian and piss people off. I don't think he's doing it like that. I think he's just, that's no, how he feels, and, and but he's that's not going to be intimidated. He, I think he understands that
1: doing that stirs the fucking pot because people are the way, you know, rabble rousers don't work. I mean, Donald Trump stirs a rabble rousers, which Milo's also a Trump supporter. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he does that by, like, He's just trying to offend certain people. He's trying to offend the vocal minority to get them stirred up because they're the vocal minority is a bunch of retards.
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, with that said, I'm super excited to have Milo on the show. I think he's going to be a great guest, and uh, j- you know, I'm I'm excited to talk to him. I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation. So, uh, here is our chat with Milo Yanopoulos. I am here. All right, Dave. We have Milo Yiannopoulos on the somewhat important hotline. Milo, how are you doing this evening? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. Hello, Milo. Thanks yes, for calling thank in. You for... <laughs> we're we're absolutely excited that you called in. Um, it's uh, I, I'm not sure where you're at in the country, so I know that it's probably a little bit later than where we are now. So uh, again, we totally appreciate you chatting with us this evening.
2: Of course, it's no problem. I'm in Los Angeles, but I don't really sleep, as most people who follow my Twitter realize. I have
3: three three or four hours a day is enough,
2: so I'm all good. I'm very happy to talk to you.
3: Awesome. Well, we totally appreciate it, Milo. Um, Well, I just want to start with uh, when when I first reached out to you. One of the things that really impressed me about you is your unapologetic approach towards uh, current events and how you, you feel about that. And, uh, Dave and I, although I get a feeling Dave probably differs from your politics a little bit more than I do. Uh, that is something that, that we highly respect. And personally, my friend, I find it really refreshing that you, you, you're honest and sincere and you say how you feel.
2: Well, thank you. Um, I mean, Dave is allowed to be wrong. That's fine. Um, you know, the extent to which he doesn't agree with just the extent to which he doesn't agree with me just means he hasn't read enough yet or hasn't been listening carefully. That's perfectly fine.
1: Well, it's not 100 percent honestly. There is a lot I do, I do agree, a lot I don't. Um, I'm a very moderate person, so yeah, I'm open to all opinions, and I love listening. I just love listening to everything that I can, and uh, that's why I'm looking. Well, forward we to live this.
2: in uncertain and insane times. We live in crazy times. This is not the period in history for moderation. You know, it's a time for. Dangerous faggots, and for Donald Trump, and for you know <laughs> Brexit, and all sorts of other yeah. like, earth-shattering things going on. It's not the time for moderation; it's the time to get excited.
1: See, well, and that's every yin needs, needs a yang. So I'm just I'm playing the yang. I'm I'm playing the, uh, <laughs> the other card. <laughs> so I'll, I'll try not to tease you too much.
3: When 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 I first heard about Milo Yiannopoulos, I believe you were actually well, I've I've heard about you off and on and then I, I heard your interview with Adam Carolla on the Adam Carolla show. And as I looked it up and you're speaking to her, it's called the Dangerous Faggot Tour. And I and that made me fall in love just because it's so in your <laughs> face that you know, a lot a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't do that nowadays, you know. And, and I, I just find that completely refreshing.
2: But it's insane. Like, I don't understand why people, like, words only have the meaning you give them. No kind of string of letters has like innate magical powers unless you award it magical powers. Right. And so I, you know, me using every outrageous word I can think of on my tour and calling people hideous, fat, monstrous, you know, lesbianic dykes and whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, you know, me just doing that is, is, is my way of showing that if you give words power, they have, you know, they have power over you. And the, what the left has done, the political left, you know, with political correctness and the language policing, mob mentality, and public shaming is to give words so much more meaning and power than they ought to have. I want a world where everyone can be outrageous to each other. I want a world where we can insult each other and bitch about each other and be rude and obnoxious and catty and vicious and sometimes loving and affectionate <laughs> and romantic. But you know, I want a world where I want a world where the bad stuff is okay. I mean, we have got. We live in this culture now where niceness seems to be the most important thing. Like, don't offend anyone. Don't right. hurt anyone's feelings. Fuck that. I want to hurt everyone's feelings. I want everyone <laughs> to be offended. It's only when you're offended that you actually, like, you know, that you start to think about things, that you start to consider alternative points of view. We live in such a stiflingly politically correct culture now that it's only by being outrageous and by being ballsy Uh, that you can really get, you can get through to people. If you step a little bit outside the consensus, if you just go a little bit too far, people will slate you and you'll get bullied back into conformity. But if you go out balls out and you're like, you know what? I'm a dangerous faggot. Um, You know, and all this, this, people have to listen and they have to take you seriously because they're so shocked and so taken aback by the temerity and the the boldness of it. So that's why I do it. I mean, it is, it is kind of trolling, but it is trolling for a purpose, you know?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, the, That's awesome. And you know, it hit really close to home. You were, uh, in, uh, may, I believe you were in DePaul university in Chicago, which is literally right down the road for me. And uh, just to see that there there was people that paid to see you on your speaking tour. And then there was people there to strictly disrupt. And then the university was complicit in shutting you down. And I, that's, you know, that, that bothers me because isn't, isn't that what going to college is about is about learning different viewpoints. Well, it certainly
2: used to be, and I don't think it is
3: anymore. I think American
2: higher education institutions have become like – They've become, well, they've asked, they ask for safe spaces. What they mean is this sort of cocketed environment, this home from home where you go and pay a lot of money to sit around and, and pretend that you like people you don't like and use language that doesn't mean anything and be fed conspiracy theories about the patriarchy and the wage gap and campus rape culture. All this stuff that just isn't true. American universities are completely derelict in their duties now, I think it's fair to say. And I've probably been on more campuses in America than pretty much anybody else uh, this year and tour's not even finished yet. American universities have completely given up their responsibility to expose people to new ideas, to new ways of thinking, to new styles, to new attitudes, to new information. It's so depressing to me that this is the case. But, you know, look, if, if a couple of people per talk go home and think, hmm... I believe that stuff about the wage gap and about campus rape culture and about you know the entrenched racism in America's you know all this kind of stuff. If somebody goes home and thinks about it, and maybe it five people. Five people out of the audience of four five hundred. Five people go home, then I'm happy. Of course, you know it's not just the four five hundred. It's also the thousand people who can't get in and the eleven thousand watching live and the seventy five thousand who watch you later on YouTube. Not to brag, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it, <laughs> um, if some of those people are interested after the fact, then wonderful because what I want to do is, is just is blow apart this, this stifling consensus that seems to have taken hold in American higher education. America is supposed to be the land of the free, the home of the brave. I mean, I came here from occupied Europe, you know, from Londonistan, hoping to, <laughs> you know, to come here, to, to, to escape the sort of suffocating uh, progressive social justice left, and to experience, you know, thought and language, speech, idea in their rawest, purest, most free form. And what do I discover in America? The horror of um, the American public public and private universities, which are just, seem to me, set up entirely antithetically to the pursuit of knowledge and to the exposure of new ideas. Like, this is just, these are not environments in which you are going to learn new things or have your, uh, you know, have your preconceptions challenged. And that, to me, is horrifying.
3: Right, and you know what You know what I love about you, too, is, you know, you use the word fag. And- it's some more things you love about me. Well, my my beautiful friend as <laughs> feed the beast, Brian, feed the beast." <laughs> no. No, look. It, it's, look, it, the, thing, the thing I get from you is, like I said, I, I love your your unapologetic repro- approach, right? Like but it, it doesn't seem like you try to stifle anybody. If they, if they try to retort, it seems that you openly invite that, that loud discourse so people can say what they want to say. Of course.
2: I want them to respond to me because I want to be proven wrong if I'm wrong. I'm just not wrong. You know, I want them to come, I, don't, I want to know, I want an open marketplace of ideas where I come up against the strongest possible adversary because if I still win, if I still beat them, then I really know I'm right. Mm-hmm. And the left doesn't want that. They don't even want to hear alternative points of view. And so, you know, and people often describe me as sort of like unashamed or unapologetic, like there ought to be something shameful about a gay person that speaks their mind, or like I say something that deserves mm-hmm. apology. I know that wasn't the implication of what you were saying, but I often see these words pop up in coverage about me, and I just think, you know what, like that's part of the problem. That's part of the problem itself. That it just encapsulates the idea that somebody would just speak their mind, not afraid of being publicly shamed for using the wrong word, the idea that it is now brave, merely to express your opinion on a subject, whatever that opinion is, that tell that in itself is proof that I'm onto something. I think that in itself it indicates there might be something wrong with debate in the public square in America. There might be something that has gone a little bit awry, right in the university system. That I think is, you know, is is so telling. And every and I didn't mean to pick on you because everybody does this. It's almost reflexive. You know, you just you just describe somebody as controversial, notorious, unapologetic, and it's like. I'm just sitting there thinking, I just talk common sense. I look at studies, I read what the data says, I crack a few jokes, and this is outrageous. This is something in American culture that is uh, unprecedented, you know, that people cannot cope with, that people need safe spaces and trigger warnings from. That's ridiculous.
3: No, I I, I totally agree. I've used this example on our show a few times. Uh, I I worked at a place not too long ago where I had a, uh, a, uh, a subordinate. She was a couple rungs down the ladder from me who would openly uh, talk about fe- feminism and such, and one time she asked me about my wife. My wife is this awesome, beautiful, driven woman, but I don't think she considers herself a feminist by any means, and they asked me what attracted me to my wife. And I said, well, you know, she she's driven, she has an idea of what she wants to do with life, and she's cook, and she can cook. I, I would never date a woman that couldn't cook. Ooh, so that and, one got you into trouble. Oh, oh my God. And then, <laughs> and then all... Hell broke loose, and I, I said, I'm like, look, I'm not saying that her only station in life is to be in the goddamn kitchen and cook me food, but look, like I'm, 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 I'm a big dude, I'm a big manly man, and I want a woman who can cook, and for some <laughs> reason, this became, this be, beca- this went to human resources, and I, oh, I actually, wow, told because you said you, he said you loved your wife because she could cook, <laughs> right,
1: and, and, those and I those actually three told, example too, it wasn't even the top example. <laughs>
2: sorry to interrupt you but this is it's so this is is so typical or the left does they turn compliments into insults Mm -hmm. you know it's like oh she's beautiful she can cook she and and all of these things there's this constant need to find offense in everything and this constant need to take umbrage at every remark and to paint women as constant perpetual victims you know what your wife will probably turn around and say go fuck yourselves you know but that's not enough end of the warriors sorry for the language if I'm not allowed to swear on the podcast no you are Oh, you can say whatever you want, my friend. <laughs> Good, wonderful, come shit, bollocks, fuck, wonderful. And I never get to swear on the air. Um, <laughs> fucking do you know, it. The, um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm such a child. I'm like a seven year old child. But yeah, you know, this constant need, <laughs> this constant need to always be offended by everything, I, and always on someone else's behalf. It's so ridiculous, isn't yeah, it?
1: Ridiculous. Standing up it for t- other t- people totally is. is such a it's such a thing now. It's looking for excuses to be butthurt hurt about. Something someone else said about somebody else, like you're taking it personally, it doesn't even involve you. And then we talk a lot about that—the vocal minority and taking umbrage with things that just, just let it go. Like who cares if you're offended? Exactly. So, and you know, it's and it's this offense on other people's behalf, which is um, a
2: sign that, um, that they've sort of run out of things to complain about. That they're not really sure what they should be arguing about next. So they're kind of looking around. Trying to take up other people's causes, perhaps because they realize that they are, uh, in their words, privileged. Uh, that they are, you know, white middle class women in America, probably the most privileged group of human beings ever to exist in the history of human civilization. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, how, can I, it's not plausible to get upset on my own behalf because look at me. But I can get upset on other people's behalf because that gives me the cloak, gives me a veneer of selflessness. That gives other people the impression that I am, I'm the, I am the white knight, I'm the the savior, I'm some kind of hero. Well, you're not. Fuck you. You know, all you're really <laughs> doing, all you're really doing is exhibiting to the world that you are a miserable, dour, boring, stupid person, and that you want everyone else to be as unhappy as you are. No, mm. we refuse. We decline to be dragged down to your level. We will not be as miserable as you are. And if you want to say fag, and we want to say we're, we, we love our wives because, well not in my case obviously, but and somebody wants to say you know, that he loves his wife because she's hot and she makes a mean fucking stew, then you're going to have to sit back and like it because there's nothing wrong with
3: that. <laughs> let me let me ask you about the let me ask you about the word fag because I think you're like the best person to ask about this. All right, I'm so probably on, like, the
2: world expert on the word faggot. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right, so like me, I'm a, I'm a straight dude. Most of my friends are are pretty straight, manly type guys, and if they do something stupid, it's not uncommon at all to be like, man, dude, don't act like a fag. Like, don't be a fag. Like, just just do it, but. Right. So I mean, but what what is your personal view on that? Because uh, well, me, I think I'm that's the saying- actual
2: real that's the real use of fag. That's the that's the one that I want to bring back. You know, there are some instances in which gay there's just no alternative to it, you know? Like, dude, that is gay. And I hear my friends <laughs> all the I know I my friends all the time and they're right. And there's really no better word sometimes, you know? Mm. And you just wanna say he's being he's he's being a fag. Or or dude, that is Gay. It's funny. It's funny, and it conveys all of the things that you want to convey in that statement. It's lame, weak, crap. Hillary supporting, immigrant loving, whatever. You know, these are the real meanings of gay. <laughs> these are the real, these are the real meanings of faggy. You know, the fact that a couple of you know dick sucking chutney punchers get upset because you say faggot. Well, fuck them too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> have you have you no, seen I love that. Uh, Have you seen the South Park episode from many years ago? The F word, where they describe. Uh, Harley Davidson writers that are really like allowed obnoxious as faggots and like then the gay community <laughs> gets offended by it and they're like trying to explain like no we're not talking about like what's we're not talking about gay people we're talking about fags and like right yeah <laughs> <laughs> I something that's like, oh, I'll suck a dick but that dude's a faggot <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. No, I mean this is this is a perfectly reasonable, respectable, whatever. I mean, they're always these, these minority people. They're always telling us, the left is always telling us reclaim the vocabulary, you know, take queer and make it your own. Well, I'm taking faggot and I'm making it my own, and I'm giving the entire human species a lifetime retroactive fag pass. You can say it as much as you want about whatever you want. If anyone's listening here, go forth and fag.
3: <laughs> I'm in. So the next time, the next time some hippie gets on my ass because I called my buddy a fag for uh, doing something silly, I'm going to be like, well, look, motherfuckers, like I have Milo Yiannopoulos's number. I will call him right now and he will tell you that I can use the No, word do name.
2: it. No, do it. You have my cell <laughs> number. You can call me anytime and I will tell him just how much of a fag he really is. <laughs>
3: That's awesome. Uh, I, I do have to ask you a super important question that we ask everybody on our podcast. So I hate to get too deep and uh, too political, but uh, Milo, what, what is your favorite frozen pizza?
2: Oh, um, well, I'm not allowed to eat pizza anymore because I'm on a very strict diet. Uh, so I'm allowed to speak <laughs> quietly so my trainer doesn't hear anything. I am a, I am a, a heretic. Which will not come as a surprise to anybody who has listened to this conversation or who has read anything of mine or seen on TV or whatever. But uh, I am particularly, especially a maverick, a heretic, a, 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 an apostate when it comes to pizza. And the internet's not going to like this, but my favorite pizza is Hawaiian. I love pineapple on pizza. I don't care yes. who knows about it. I'm, I'm completely unapologetic about that ham and pineapple pizza. Ham and pineapple pizza all the fucking way. Awesome!
3: Awesome! <laughs> that, me, me and Dave, you know, we're we're not uh, we're not as uh, uh, beautiful as you are, you know. So like, we eat a lot of pizzas. So that's an important question for us.
2: Stop! Stop! In fact, if you don't, well, actually, maybe carry on for another forty five minutes. But after that, stop. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: Milo, it, it's been absolutely awesome talking to you. I, I was going to say next time you're in Chicago, I hope you, I hope you hit us up. I, I'd love to chat with you again. We'll go out. But,
2: I'll be, I'll be fucking, off my diet by then, and we will go out for a deep pan. How's that?
3: Oh, dude, bring it on. I, I will, I will take you around. We can use, we can call everybody fags. It'll be, it'll be great. It'll be the greatest <laughs> thing ever.
2: We'll go out. We'll eat, we'll eat deep pan Hawaiian, and we'll call everyone fags. I cannot uh, imagine a better evening.
3: That <laughs> sounds like, that sounds like my my. My perfect mandate. If I was going to go on a date with a man, that is exactly what I'd like to do.
2: Well, I would like to give you that gift, so we will do it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, Milo, you have wheel. a podcast. <clears throat> yep, <laughs> Dave, <obviously. laughs> yeah, you can come to her pumpkin. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Milo, you have your own podcast, the Milo Yiannopoulos show. You can find that on iTunes. Your website is yiannopoulos.net. And please, if you're even somewhat curious about milo and how he feels about things and and what he has to put up with please check out the dangerous faggot tour uh i am again super excited you came on and i had an absolutely awesome time and i hope we can talk again my friend second that thank you so much thank you for having me thank you milo you have a wonderful night all right (laughs) cheers take care guys bye (laughs) milo yiannopoulos
1: dave and he knew about the fake ending
3: yeah totally. Oh, that was got, at, a consummate professional that was
1: absolutely how i hoped the conversation would go we kept it like just like the show is and yeah that was perfect yeah absolutely i did kind of so, want to say uh, something I, though i i didn't want to say when he said like i don't want to tease you too much i wanted to throw in the whole like dude like we have like the probably the thickest skin of a lot of people you're going to talk to like dish it right. Yeah. <laughs> right tease the fuck
3: out of me <laughs> i don't care <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad milo seems like a, a very nice guy uh super cool and uh, I, i'm glad that he came on the show um make sure that you check out our better call saw podcast called it's Saw good man you can find that at www.itsallgoodman.com uh coming up next week we have an interview with ann turkis who's a writer for better call saw now listen okay nothing important people i fucking know we have a bunch of Better Call Saul people on there, but Better Call Saul is kind of where our bread is buttered a little bit, right? Yeah, Dad? a little bit, a little bit. But it's a kick-ass show, and those people are so fucking nice. And any and I'm working on the big three for Better Call Saul. So, but like when the big, if we can get the <sighs> big three on, I'm going to try to split it into two different shows. So we're well, working on the big three. Maybe a Twitter which be campaign. be Michael McKean, Jonathan Banks, we and should Bob do a, a letter
1: Lincoln. writing campaign or a Twitter campaign. <laughs> yeah, know, there our, you go. Get fans in on it. If they Absolutely. want to hear it, like uh, I, I mean, I guess I'll talk to them now. If you guys want to hear it, show some love. Start, you know, berate these guys and yeah, get start- on our
3: show. Exactly, exactly. I w- I want Twitter tags to Bob Odenkirk and Michael McKean. I don't think Jonathan Banks has a has a Twitter, but uh, make sure you hit them up. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our show. Give us those reviews on iTunes. Uh, give us those likes on uh, Twitter. Um, uh, by the way. Violet Bean from last week from the Flash TV show. Uh, the listeners out there who tweeted that tweet went crazy. Like there were so many people that tweeted that. Uh, it, absolutely awesome. So new listeners, welcome. Old listeners, keep it up. Uh, we'll talk to you, you next week with Ann Cherkis from a uh, writer from Better Call Saul. Should be very interested, especially for those of you interested in not only but be- Better Call Saul, but just the process of how to make a show, how to write a show. All that good stuff. Dave, you're looking beautiful as ever, and you can stop recording. Be sure to follow
2: Nothing Important online at nothingimportantpodcast.com. Find us on iTunes, on Twitter at NotImportantPC, and you can also find us on Facebook. Nothing Important is recorded with help from Third City Sound in Joliet, Illinois. Thanks for being awesome.